Good morning, church. My name is Lisa. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ City. It has been quite a week. Um, I don't know if you're like me in this, but it feels like the world has both shrunk and grown. I'm not driving back and forth across the city anymore to take my kids uh, to and from school. Uh, I've kept any and all outings uh, to a very small and necessary geography. Even in my own house, I've spent most of my waking hours at my dining room table, eating, working, working and eating, and eating our evening meal together as a family, using that one space for most of our day. My world has shrunk, yet it has grown because in many respects, our lives are now lived on the World Wide Web. We connect virtually since we can't connect in person. Church services are now on the internet. Live concerts with amazing artists are happening in our kitchens or even our bathrooms. We see people in Italy singing from their balconies. My small group is scattered across the city and meeting on Zoom. I attended a wedding this week. Woot, Dave and Claudette. Um, I attended a wedding this week from the front seat of my car because I desperately needed to get out of the house. Um, Friday night, the author of my favorite book series was in my living room and I was watching him read a book while he was in his living room. I prayed with a pastor in New York City at noon this week. I've seen and learned from faith leaders in Australia, in Costa Rica, in Palestine on a, on a webinar. The world has come near. And if COVID-19 has taught us anything, it has taught us that we are one human family connected across space and time. What impacts us here impacts others on the other side of the globe. We feel that reality in ways we never have before. This week, as we round out our Learning to Live series, we will be learning, we will looking at what learning to live means for the sake of the world. Given where we are in the pandemic and what we're talking about today, I asked a friend of mine from Wuhan, China, to share a few thoughts in a prayer with you. Wuhan, as you know, is the sort of epicenter of the coronavirus disease. Here's what he wrote. Dear brothers and sisters at Christ City Church, Shalom. I have the privilege to share some thoughts and words of encouragement with you all as the world is going through this difficult time due to the COVID-19 disease. As I prayed for you and for myself and for the many people who are fighting this invisible war against the virus in each of their own ways, this word, shalom, came to my mind. Yes, how often do we say this word without really thinking about the meaning of it? Or rather, how often do we ignore this word and bury it in the depth of our mind because of the comfort of this modern and secular world has brought us? It seems that it is always at these difficult and daunting times when we realize how much we desire shalom, physically, and more important, spiritually. As the world has seen, China during the past few two months has gone through an unbelievable period of national lockdown. People were grounded, kept at home in a manner that is more restricted than the shelter in place policy some of the states there in the US are beginning to adopt. 
malls and stores were closed, schools were out, airlines and trains and inter-province ground transportation were cut down, and supplies were sold out everywhere we went. It was a time of pandemic and epidemic, and it was a time of fear. But the Lord, but the Lord has shown mercy to the nation and the people in China. The Chinese government was slow to react at the beginning, but when they realized the degree of threat, it took firm-handed measures to lock down Wuhan, the most severely impacted city by COVID-19, and later on the rest of the country. Medical personnel and supplies were deployed and sent to Wuhan for crisis response work. We have seen the church being actively involved in community service here in China. We have put together a network of Christian NGOs so that we could share information and resources and work more effectively on a national level. People from different parts of China have been able to share updates that allowed us to see the hand of the Lord at work and have mutual encouragement. This has been a difficult time for all, yet once again the Christians here in China have demonstrated the spirit of love and charity through their deeds and actions. During the past two months, we have seen more good news being preached through demonstration instead of just proclamation. So, I'm praying, dear brothers and sisters, that the Father will grant you sufficient peace physically and spiritually so that the spirit of shalom would overflow naturally in you and through you to impact all the people you get to interact with, if not in person, perhaps through the internet. Finally, please know that millions of Christians here in China are praying for you, and you are not alone. Although the governments of these two giant nations seem to not be on their best terms in many ways, we are one in Christ. We love you, and we will see it through together with you. Blessings, Johnny. A brother from Wuhan, China. Xie Johnny. I've spent most mornings this week in the Psalms, and in the Psalms there are these. There's this word called Selah at the end of some of the phrases, and we don't really know what the word Selah means. Some people have said、uh, that it that it means to take a rest or to take a breath. And I and I think that I've felt that this week, and I feel like maybe we're collectively, for some of us, a feeling that that there is a time right now that we have because we're grounded and because we're practicing social distancing that we can stop and we can take just a breath. There is more time for reflection for some of us, and crises are good for that if we give them space to be. Have you paused and and taken a breath? Not the kind that fills your lungs, but the kind that fills your soul. What questions have you been asking about the world and humanity and faith this week? What does it look like to live faithfully today in light of a future we can create now that reflects some of the generosity and kindness exhibited in light of COVID-19 disease? I don't want to. And I don't want us to miss this opportunity to live the good news of Jesus in the midst of suffering and pain and isolation and confusion and despair. 
We have to learn, like the tag phrase of learning to live like Jesus, live in Jesus, with Jesus, and for Jesus, for the sake of the world. We have that moment now, and I think we should just take this collective Selah and take a breath. Our passage for the week is Micah 6, 8. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Now, I'm going to use do justice, act justly. Those are interchangeable. I don't know what your translation might say in your own Bible. Sometimes it says either one of those, and, and um, love mercy might say love kindness. So we'll use all of that language together this morning. These movements, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly, are not linear or sequential. They are interwoven and interdependent like a fabric in a tapestry. You can't do one without the other. And together, they create awe-inspiring beauty. So let's start with do justice or act justly. And I'm going to take a look at both like the verb and the, the noun or the, the adverb um, in all of these movements. So what does it mean to do or act? I think that, that it's like a practice. Um, we prayed that prayer, the common prayer earlier, um, in thought, in word, and in deed. Those are the things that it means to do, because of course our thoughts determine our words and our actions. So we practice justice in thought, in word, and in deed. And justice is, in part, taking our private convictions to the public square. Dr. King, during civil rights, took his convictions that African Americans should no longer have to endure the crushing reality of Jim Crow laws, that people should be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. These convictions were rooted in his firm faith in the gospel of Jesus and in the and the knowledge that all people are made in the image of God and thereby should have their dignity equally affirmed. When we do justice, we confront systems and structures that defy the image of God in any person. We've got a lot of work to do here in the United States on that front, but we can never forget that it's not just about doing right for us and ours here in the U.S. We must always remember that we are citizens first in the kingdom of God. Our family extends beyond our borders and to every tribe and tongue and nation on this planet. That's how God sees humanity and that's how big our vision has to be as kingdom citizens. Our allegiance is to the king and his kingdom, to doing justice for all of God's children. Doing justice is not just do-goodism. It's rooted in a humble walk with God, a firm understanding in what the psalmist says in Psalm 89, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. 
righteousness, and justice are foundational in who God is. They are aspects of his very nature. In Christian circles, sometimes we ask the question, which is more important, the Great Commission or the Great Commandment, evangelism or justice? That's the wrong question. It's like asking which part of your heart is more important, the left or the right? You can't separate your heart and still function. God's heart is for people to know him and for people to love their neighbors as themselves. For us to do justice and be able to point to God as the reason for all that we do. It is both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The right question is, how do I love God with all of who I am? To be honest about the ways that I live and live in a way that doesn't just benefit me or people like me. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of faith and the psalmist reminds us that we are blessed if we learn to walk in the light of the presence of God who is righteous and just. God makes it super clear for us what is good and what he requires of us. We are required to do justice, to act justly. So let's get really practical. In the midst of COVID-19, let's do justice by praying for our leaders and supporting legislation that meets the needs of those who are most vulnerable. There are people who are already disadvantaged. We have got to find a way to amplify their voice, to make sure that the legislation that passes finds them at the heart of it. That is where God's heart is. Let's also stand together in solidarity with our Asian American brothers and sisters who are facing heightened discrimination and racism at this time. Those are a couple of ideas. We can do justice together for the sake of the world. So let's look at loving mercy and loving kindness. Now that word love, and I'm gonna to get to this in just a second, is to commit steadfastly to. And you know what mercy and kindness are. Um, I'm gonna share a photo. Um, this is a, uh, an ER doctor from my neighborhood in Hill East. Um, her name is Sarah Elizabeth. And she asked earlier this week for a few N95 masks on our neighborhood Facebook page. She was hoping for maybe three or four or 10 maybe. Um, and in less than 24 hours, she had 170 masks. She has been reusing masks during her shifts because of this, uh, the shortage of supply. Our community practiced kindness and mercy. In my small group this week, we shared what groceries we were running low on. When one person was heading to the store, they'd try to pick up what someone else needed, whether it was rice or bread or eggs. We were on the lookout for one another. The groceries were delivered and our needs were met. That's what it looks like to love mercy, to love kindness. 
But can I give just a little pastoral warning here? It's easy to do acts of kindness and mercy at the beginning of a hard time. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> we should definitely be encouraged by these things, but it seems like we're kind of at the front end of this pandemic. And while things are very hard for some of us, this is just the beginning and I think it's going to get harder. So I wanna draw our attention to that word love. That's a real steadfast commitment to mercy and kindness. Think about the kind of love that God has for you. The kind of love that Jesus demonstrated when he lived life on earth. All the mercy and kindness he showed came from the deepest well of love. For us to love mercy, we have to know the love of Jesus and draw from that place. That means that when you're tired of being kind and merciful, which we're going to be in the coming weeks, and when you're tired of being kind and merciful to your kids or your big brother or your little sister or your neighbor or your spouse or your parents or your boss, that you take a break and you say a prayer and ask God to give you what you need and what you don't have so that you can truly love mercy. So that when you give mercy, it's not out of the abundance of what you have, but really out of the abundance of what God has for you, trusting that God is your good shepherd and your good father. We talked last week a little bit about Martin Luther and during the bubonic plague back in the 1500s, he wrote a letter to a friend. The title of the letter was, whether one may flee from a deadly plague. And I think there's some instructive information for us in understanding what it looks like to love mercy in the midst of a pandemic. This is what he writes, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me, so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy. Did you hear the things in that letter? Pray, clean, take care of yourself, stay inside, take care of your neighbor. This is a God-fearing, merciful response, and the wisdom and courage that is required from this requires a humble walk with God. So, walking humbly with God. I love the verb in this one. It's different than the other two. The word walk, it's, it's about movement and journeying. What's it like? for you to walk with God these days.
Maybe you're really scared. Maybe you're grateful for all that you have in light of your health and your job and your friends and your family. The point isn't as much how you feel as whether you're letting God in on all of that. A person who walks humbly with God is one who keeps their heart open to God, who doesn't shut God out for one reason or another. This week, because of the craziness, I've spent, as I mentioned earlier, quite a bit of time reading and praying through the Psalms. It, it was helpful for me to use the psalmist's words as my prayers. It was very grounding. Now, I've read Psalm 84 countless times in my life, but I was especially struck by verses 5 through 7, like I was reading them for the first time. Hear these words. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Blessed. Not just happy, not just satisfied, but blessed is the person whose strength is in God. Now, you know we have run out of strength sometimes this week, and we will run out of strength again in the weeks ahead. Blessed are those whose strength is in God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, now that's a that's an interesting word. We don't, I mean, I guess it's a little more common as of late, but what is a pilgrimage? And when I came across that word this week, I wrote in the margin of my, of my Bible, the journey to God. Blessed are those whose strength is in God and whose hearts are set on the journey to God and with God. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that's a valley of weeping. And don't you know our world is weeping? As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. A place of weeping becomes a place of beautiful flowering and life and rains are abundant because it is a place that is blessed because our strength is in God and our hearts are set on a pilgrimage with God. They go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. Maybe you don't feel that right now. Maybe you haven't felt that in a long time. The invitation is still for you to come to God and walk humbly with God. They go from strength to strength. That's the blessing of walking humbly with God. I told you I heard from, uh, from thought leaders and faith leaders from around the world earlier this week, and Sami Awad, a brother in Bethlehem, Palestine, said something that, man, has got me thinking. He said, there are things that kill humans, and there are things that kill humanity. COVID-19 is a thing that is killing humans. 
fate, fear, hate, injustice. Those are a few things that are killing humanity. They crush our souls and we struggle to breathe under the weight of them. By God's grace, we're not left alone. God has given us clear direction for what is good and for what he requires of us. For the sake of the world and to the glory of God, we do justice, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with him. In doing these things, we participate with God, the God of all creation, of all time and space, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the God who loved us first. We participate with that God in redeeming all of humanity and making all things new. So let's take a breath. Let's let's say la together in this moment. God is giving us a chance to consider how to see the world through his eyes and to see his heart for the whole world. We can do this, church. We can do justice. We can love mercy. And we can walk humbly with God. I would invite you this week, um, if you haven't already, memorize Micah 6.8. Maybe you can do that together as a family or as roommates in a house. You could put a note card with that verse on your refrigerator or on your mirror or somewhere in your space. If you've already memorized Micah 6.8, I think you could maybe read through Psalm 84. Pray through Psalm 84. Memorize parts of Psalm 84 this week as a way to ground you, to remind you of who God is, to give you eyes to see the world and to give you a heart to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. So let us know how to pray for you and how to pray for your neighbors. Um, And let's take this opportunity together for the sake of Christ. Amen.